can we all agree like the worst joke on like 15 different levels is the one from the twins fan about look forward to getting eliminated in the first round of the postseason do you know your own history uh, just at all do you want to show me how i can find out you are the fairest of weather baseball fan because it's it's right there in that statement we're going to talk about this series. We're going to talk about the Guardians magic number. We're going to get into it on today's episode of Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lockdown Guardians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis, as I have been for 796 of these, if we count this episode. Now i got to adjust the screen as I put my overlay on. Uh, again, once we get to 800, I'll very quickly, uh, I'm going to leave it to the new co-host to announce uh, for themselves. But there are some changes coming. It'll be good. Trust me. It's someone I like. <laughs> so what better can I say? Uh, we're going to talk about all these games. Uh, that happened this past weekend. But first, I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. So to go back to the thing, like there are some really strong Twins fans out there. Like Na- I love Nash, who runs Locked On Twins. Uh, I've had some very positive interactions through the years with multiple. Okay, so if I'm doing in division, like my rankings of like the fan bases in terms of my interactions as a writer slash podcaster, Tigers fans have been the kindest through the years the Royals fans are two then the Twins fans and the White Sox fans Joey Donuts if you're listening I love you thank you for all your kind words I know you're a White Sox fan I'm not saying they're all bad Joey is one of the best people I've met through this show and through podcast he is always positive he is always engaged I remember him making a great comment when the White Sox traded for Lance Lynn he's a knowledgeable fan but there is a subset that have sent me some very nasty messages through the years and again with Twins fans there is that little subset but for the most part, Central fans are great. Uh, the the most negativity I've gotten from fan bases in general, Atlanta Braves. And it's weird. Like, Oakland is actually in that bottom five, but it points there at the top five. So I don't, I don't know what to make of that. But I, I don't get as much negative blowback anymore. Um, I guess I've gotten too insular uh, with this podcast. But for the most part, the fans are good. But I do, I mean... The funniest thing to me to see any fan base talk about a team. Oh, well, congratulations on making the postseason just to get eliminated in uh, the first round. It's like the Minnesota Twins are 20 plus years. Let's see when they last won a postseason. I know there's a fan right now of them. Um, Last postseason round win. It's been a while. So the postseason results. Here we go. This, This will give it to us. Like the Twins are kind of in my mind, infamous for not advancing out of the division series. 2002, they lost to uh, the Anaheim Angels. Since then, they have not advanced. We're talking 22 years of not getting out of the opening round. The best... Uh, the I mean, they've not even won two games. The best they've accomplished is since they went... They lost 4-1 to in that series. Then 03-04, they lost 3-1, to 3-1. to we can get even worse since 2000, 2004 is the last time they even won a postseason game. So not only is this a team 
that hasn't won a postseason series since 2002, but hasn't won a game since 2004, probably don't want to be going around saying, well, good luck getting, you know, congratulations on being swept. One, it shows a frighteningly lack of awareness. And two, it also just shows you don't understand how the playoffs work. Like, the playoffs are a crapshoot. Uh, this, what has happened to the Twins, should be almost impossible. Like, this, because of the luck involved. It just takes someone having a hot day, right? The one Cleveland team that has gotten the closest to breaking the longest. I mean, Cleveland right now has the longest losing stretch, uh, streak in baseball. The White Sox broke their streak. The Cubs broke their streak. The, well, when what? Red Sox, then White Sox, then Cubs. Now it's the Guardians, slash Indians, slash Lajueys slash Broncos slash Spiders slash you know all of those slashes. Uh, that's the team that has had the longest stretch. This is the most unlucky team. If you want to say unlucky, I mean they were also just terrible for a long, long time. But for uh, I almost said Houston for Minnesota to just be this unlucky, this is this isn't even just saying that they've you know, had some bad bounces. This is just straight on bad luck as an organization. So, uh, you know, I feel, you know, if you're an angry Twins fan, you kind of have a right to be right now. Like, if you want to be a little salty and mad at me, you've earned your saltiness and madness because you've had some good teams, you've had some great players, and you haven't won a game in the postseason in nearly 20 years. And uh, I, I think you have a good right to be salty at anyone. But it's a, like I said, it's a weird statement. And again, I don't think teams would want to face this Guardians team. Is the lineup great? No. We saw that today, and we'll get into the games in segment two and three. But the starting pitching has a nasty one, two, three right now. And when Quantrill is your weak guy, and we're talking about of late. Oh, my co-host wants to join in. Want to wave hi? You got more fans than I do, dude. Yep. 14. What are you, 14 now? Okay. Wave hi to the crowd. But... Quantrill is your, your number three, and he's going seven innings, giving up between three to one earned runs most games. More often than not, one than three. Uh, and then that bullpen, yes. The bullpen let him down on Saturday, but then they held them in check and eventually got the win. Bullpens aren't perfect. They'll implode at the worst possible time. Go back to the 2020 season, where... That team was one of the worst offensive teams I have ever seen, ever seen a Cleveland Guardians team have. And the offense carried them in the postseason, and the pitching fell flat on their face against the Yankees, like completely. So you never know what you're going to quite get, but I wouldn't... Listen, Houston is deadly. New York has some really interesting bats. Seattle is well-built. None of these teams are easy, but when you're looking at a team like Cleveland, that's like... Okay, they might throw Shane Bieber at me, who's been a top-five pitcher for three years in a row. And if he goes seven innings, they can throw Henches, they can throw Sandlin, they can throw 99, they can throw Classic. Those are all... That's an intimidate. That is the best pen right now in baseball for my money. And, you know, like I said, we're in segment one. Came out spitting fire. Was I, was I too hot today? Often I don't come... I get a lot of people saying, I don't have enough emotion. What's your feel? on that uh (laughs) did you like me coming out with my degree of of anger of like not only do you have a bad take but you just you're showing a lack of knowledge with it uh what do you think about my rankings of uh kind fan bases i guess it were in the division not counting guardians fans because 
If I'm being honest, through my career, the nicest and the meanest fans have been the Guardians slash Indians fans. Uh, just because it's who I interact with the most. That's that's the natural way of it. Uh, but yeah, we're going to take our first commercial break, come back and get into all of these games, which saw you know, some strong pitching performances, some strong hitting performances. Shout out to Ahmed, who just has owned the Twins in this series. Uh, and, you know, we'll talk Miles Straw, who's no longer the worst hitter on this Cleveland Guardians team. And our first sponsor, as you covered, you can see the wonderful graphic at the bottom of the screen here from Bet Online. Uh, Bet Online, if you're curious for tomorrow's game, a 12 10 game. That does mean that, uh, for me, 12 10, 110 for you on the Eastern Coast. Uh, Quantrell on the mound against Sonny Gray. Run and a half going to the Twins in this one. One could argue Gray has been the better pitcher over the course of the year. It's a tough matchup, an interesting game over under at seven and a half. Uh, plus 110 for the over, minus 130 for the under. Uh, money line 106, minus 106 to the Twins, minus 104 to the Guardians. Whatever you want, Bet Online has you covered. This is a company that is one of our first sponsors, one of our best sponsors, one of our longest sponsors. I'm not always the most in the know when it comes to things like sports gambling. So when I want knowledge, when I want that deep information, because it's important not just for those in the world of sports betting, but they have the know the know how first. So I go there and I look at lines to make myself a better prognosticator. And I said that wrong, the word wrong. I know, prognosticator. There we go. Because you know, these sites know before I do. I used it for the draft. I'll continue to use it as an additional resource. Make sure to go to Bet Online, where the game starts. Man, for a second there, I thought I'd. <laughs> cut the podcast and i was gonna lose my mind like shotcut will help me but it, it's not always the best uh if you notice some weird cuts on the show from last week i went to bet online <laughs> to read the line the one of the cool things about them they do a live broadcast which is good to know but apparently through my i use obs to record it used that sound so my whole big take all of my anger my spitting fire on friday about elvis andrews and uh how you have to step up because, man, I just wanted to shove those words down his throat as a fan of this team, the whole crumbling thing. Now, if you saw Austin Hedges said that's great. He wishes more teams kind of talk trash like that. Uh, you know, that that part of it got cut because of, I didn't know, but, you know, another bonus for Bet Online there. Not actually part of the read, but I'll throw it to you. They, they do live broadcasts through the website. I, I didn't know. Might be good for those out there to know. Uh, I do want to apologize. I still have the head cold if I sound off. That is why. And I did want to give some shout-outs. I noticed we had some new reviews. Uh, M.T. Widman uh, dropped on in September. And Gary Ann Huntington. Thank you both for your iTunes reviews. Those really help the show out. So let's... Should we just dive right in? Should we start with the 4-3 to three win? It should be the first tab I have open here. So Cleveland won the first game of this series 4-3. to three. It was Tristan McKenzie on the mound, and he pitched well. He wasn't his sharpest, let's be honest. There was some points where it looked like he was having a hard time hitting the exact spots, but seven innings, three earned runs, eight strikeouts, seven hits, one home run. Trevor Steffen comes in, one inning, gets two strikeouts. Manuel Classe, one inning, one hit in this one. First save, 36. You look across the board. Almost everyone reached base. Stephen Kwan, still kind of in that little decline for him of late. Uh, he failed to reach base. Andres Jimenez did not reach base. And then you have the weird situation where, like, Owen Miller 
pitch it for Will Benson. So the DH position did reach, just not him. Uh, and then the catching position where Melee uh, got pinch hit for. And then, you know, they just they were moving players around. In this one, you know, Cleveland had to come back late. They were down 3 nothing, and they get 3 in the 7th, 1 in the 8th. They kept battling. And it just came down to what was crazy in this one. As, you know, it took me a second to think about it. Like, Griffin Jacks has been pretty solid this year. Like, Kale, uh, Thielbar, I think the numbers showed he's a little bit overrated. Fulmer was a nice get for them. And then for Duran, who has been their nails, that is their number one reliever to be the one who blew this game. That was nice from the dual perspective of, like, not only did they use the guy who's nails, but now they can't use him as much, and he was ineffective. Cleveland coming back against the, you know, the thick part of their pen. I don't want to use that word. Is that, that's probably not the descriptor I want, but they have one guy, and that's, when you get right down to it, what's the difference between Cleveland and the Guardians besides about $80 million in salary? One, uh, the fact that injuries are huge. Like just there's no way around it. Like the Twins have been one of the most beat up teams. Cleveland's been one of the healthiest, and then the bullpen. Cleveland, I joked on Twitter. Cleveland's had five very reliable relievers in this series, and the Twins have had one. Four uh, for Cleveland are you know their big four, and then one is uh, Pagan, who has been the most reliable reliever that they have. He just happens to pitch for the Twins. And getting again the win against their good relievers coming back. This team never seems to give up. Put, getting the three in the seventh, one in the eighth. I mean, that's it's, it's a huge win because if I were to go and pull up the standings now, and I had it open on one of these screens, one of these tabs. Now it's uh, currently, I believe they are three and a half. Where do we go? Yeah, three and a half again up on the White Sox. Magic number is fifteen. And remember. And then I, I need to give a shout out to Fever Dog Andrew, who is my stats man in the booth. He like apologized the other day, and I want to state again on here: Andrew correct me all the time. He corrects me the nicest that anyone does. Normally, uh, when someone corrects me, they insult my lineage and my family. And Andrew's always like, "Hey, sorry to do this." I'm like, "No, you say it nicely." Uh, I did all the adding, and then got it wrong. I, I got it to the you know the one yard line, and then couldn't get across. Stop there for any football fans before. This brings additional sadness. But Cleveland just needs to win one of those games against the White Sox to get them to 10 wins and have the advantage. Yeah, they're currently up two. So unless the White Sox sweep them, they're going to stay up two if they get one. I totally blew it when I was doing it. Um, Yeah, it's one of those situations where this team has kind of like almost a four-game lead on the White Sox because they should be able to win and get through one of those games. Maybe I'm wrong, especially because I don't know if anyone saw it, but Michael Kopech just wanted to disable this to bring up Davis Martin. That's a pretty big loss for that Chicago White Sox team in terms of their pitching staff. So this is not a team firing on all cylinders right now, not by any means at all. Going back into these games. So box score bingo. Cleveland had seven hits and two walks. That gives them nine opportunities. There was the two hit batters, so that gives them actually... Uh, 11 opportunities. That should be good for about three to four runs. Hey, four runs. Other side, and then the error. So it should be good for four runs. They got four runs. Eight hits for the Twins. Zero walks. And no hit batter. So that is two to three runs. They got three. 
Makes sense. Three stars in this one. Tristan McKenzie, seven innings, three runs, eight strikeouts. I'll take it any day. Yeah, I, I guess we kind of skipped over who reached base twice. Well, Jose Ramirez did. Uh, and I guess... Is that... Uh, Oscar Gonzalez had two hits as well. Two hits, which is reaching base twice. But, you know, they did a lot of moving around, some pinch hitting. Jose Ramirez is one of your stars. Had the only extra base hit in this game. And then I'm tempted to go with Trevor Steffen. I don't often reward the relievers, or do I give it to Oscar Gonzalez? Let's give it to Gonzalez for having two hits, uh, continuing to push through with his strong play of late. So, as we move into these Saturday's game, Saturday games, people got mad at me because I've been giving credit to Straw. Um, that, you know, he's... I'm not saying he is good. He no longer, by the way, as I mentioned very briefly, no longer has the lowest OPS among starters for the Cleveland Guardians anymore. It is at a 547. Hedges is down to a 525. When you're looking at runs created plus, he's up to a 59. It's still not good. But kind of here's my view. People are like, how can you not give credit to Ahmed? Okay, well, I threw one tweet away as kind of a throwaway tweet that was you know, just more of like, hey, for as bad as Straw's been, he is showing improvement. The big difference for me... Ahmed has one year left and has, in my opinion, the number one prospect in the system behind him. Straw has uh, four years left, and there's not a clear center fielder. Also, if you get right down to it, Straw, in spite of being... We went through the numbers. He's been incredibly unlucky. If he rebounds, he's going to be worth more than two war. He's currently worth 1.54 war. Uh, I think Ahmed is worth 2.2 right now. So if he rebounds, he's the same as Ahmed in terms of value, but he is controlled for four years and doesn't have you know, the top prospect in the team behind him. So it's just what it comes down to. It's more the ancillary stuff than the central stuff. I think if both guys are on for an entire year, they're similar in value. So it's not necessarily about, you know, it, I'm all for upgrading over straw if you can get an upgrade. But I also understand center field is very hard to upgrade, and I also think there's a lot of things that stand out for why it may not be able to happen and why he might be up for a rebound. Uh, and again, a lot of it just comes down to one year versus four on a very basic level because you're going to have to pay a med if you want to keep a med. Getting into these games, the 5-1-er. to one-er. Bieber, how about him? Eight innings, four hits, one earned run, six strikeouts, I thought it was kind of weird to go to Class A in this game. Did anyone else feel that? Like, it's not a save situation. He went his one inning and didn't get the save, but you got the double header. You couldn't throw someone else out there with the four-run lead. It's just kind of interesting. I mean, maybe the second game showed us, no, you go for the, the, the best arm when you need it, and you don't trust a four- or five-run lead. Uh, in this one, how about Ahmed? Four hits. He's going to be one of the stars. And yes, I intentionally explained that situation before I got into this because... I don't want, it's, like I said, it's not a dislike. It is not any general issue. I am okay. He, and I don't think I'm wrong on Ahmed. He has been exactly what I said he is. He's a streaky hitter who's a suboptimal defender. He's been about two, two and a half war. That's what he is. He is solid. For me, it's just, I think they can do better internally. That's it. Four hits for him in this one. Uh, two hits for Quan. Two hits for Oscar. Two hits by Jimenez. And you get into it for walks, you know, who who allowed them to reach base. Well, Straw had two of the team's three walks, so he reached base twice in that game as well. 
Uh, hit by the pitch for Jimenez, so he actually retraced four times in this one. I feel like I'm going to have a cough coming on, so let me pause. And I, I think it was this one. Maybe it was the second game. Either way, Jimenez set the all-time <laughs> Guardian slash Indian slash Broncos slash Lajoie slash everything record for being hit by a pitch in a season with 21. That's right. He is now the all-time holder of that record. Can't take that away from him. He set a record. Uh this was just a stellar game. 14 hits and three walks gave them plus two errors by Minnesota, so that's 19 opportunities. And then the hit batter gave them 20 opportunities. Honestly, they should have had closer to seven, six to seven runs. Didn't happen here. Jimenez had a double. Naylor had a double. Jose had a home run on his birthday. Three stars in this one. Bieber, Jose, Ahmed. I'm giving it to the birthday boy for the home run, even though he only reached base once. I'm going to bend the rules. I probably should give it to Jimenez over him. Ahmed with four hits definitely gets it, though. And those are the three stars from the win. We're going to take a break, come back, talk Carlos Vargas, talk about the two other games on today's Locked On Guardians. So let's talk a little bit about Carlos Vargas. So it was a little bit of a surprise. I was talking to someone, I will not name a name, who's like, why is he up? Like, he is not ready. He is not good. I don't, he, you know, this person was kind of like, I don't think he'll pitch at all. And, yeah, the command is not there. And, honestly, in Columbus, he was a train wreck. And over it, it was 24 innings, but they were not 24 good innings. He was getting hit, getting hit hard, walking guys, and not missing enough bats. So why is he called up? He's got on-paper electric stuff, but the fa- he, he's... Weirdly, never missed enough bats based on what he has. Like, you go back to that one year in Mahoning Valley, which was essentially the only year he really got to pitch because 2020, and he got hurt last year. So he's come back this year, and he's been kind of more the same and moved into that pen roll. It's electric, again, on paper stuff. I don't know if it's ever going to translate, but the Guardians' 40-man roster is packed. Like, talking to that same source, they were like, yeah, so who do they cut? Who can they even consider cutting? There's Kurt McCarty, and who else? I mean, the roster is tight. And this offseason, you're going to have to... There's at least three guys you have to consider adding, if not five. And, yeah, some of that's going to be the guys like Shaw and Maley. But they don't have a ton of free agents. It's going to be interesting to see how they make space. There's going to be some hard decisions to make. But Vargas is here purely because he's on the 40-man and because they cannot afford to cut anyone. There's no one that they want to cut right now. This offseason, they're going to be looking to trade some guys. Like, there's no way around it. I don't know uh, who. It could be guys like Curry and Gattis who are kind of, you know, I like them, but there is a a degree of fringeness to them. There could be, you know, some other players that are kind of fringe types they might have to look to trade because they just don't have space. They don't have room. Uh, and if they're calling up Vargas now, who's clearly not ready. He's an interesting player. Clearly not ready. Then that shows that they're afraid to cut anyone that they currently have, that they really don't want to. So he is here. You know, If one of those games on Saturday went really poorly, he was going to go out and pitch probably two to three innings. He was there as just a guy to sop up. Now the games were too close for that to happen because the Guardians gave up five runs in the eighth with 99 and Stefan in there, and yeah, it was pretty ugly. Connor Pilkington, what a performance, and it's going to be completely forgotten because that game went 15 innings. 
but five and two-thirds of one-hit baseball, two walks, six strikeouts. Like I said, the stuff is good. You just don't see the command like he had in this one. Sandlin uh, comes out, had a hit and a walk, not the best in two-thirds of an inning. Henches comes out, gives up a run, strikes out two, and he was part of... Was he part of the... Yeah, he was part of the implosion there. Though he gets credit for the hold. Trevor Steffen is not good. Uh, 99 gives up the home run. And then kudos to Eli Morgan. Another strong performance by him. NEL was good in this one. Shaw, two innings. I would have never thought you could get two out of Shaw. And it'd be productive. And Kirk McCarty. How about him? Three innings. Gave up the one run on two hits. Cleveland came back to bail him out. He was, that's about the second time this week. He has been very strong for them. Whew. I mean, you had guys getting eight plate appearances. I mean, Ahmed ended the day with eight hits, which raised his overall runs created plus over the past weekend. Do you know, he was at about, he was getting close to, I think he might've been a 101 after the White Sox game. He's now back up to 101. <laughs> Apologize for that. A 104. Uh, who else reached base twice in this one? We had three walks with Jose. Two by Naylor. Man, it's been rough for Naylor. If you look at the case of two halves, uh, he's he's worn down over the course of the year. Miller had a hit and a walk. And then a lot of not-so-muches. For a team that had 12 hits and eight walks, there wasn't a lot of guys. You know, Quan had three hits. Rosario had four. Those two combined for seven of the 12 hits. And then it was just... You passed Jose and Naylor, and the rest of the lineup it was a bit more of a struggle in this one. Whew. I mean, it's even the funny thing where you look like the intentional walks. Gordon, Urshila, Ramirez twice, Naylor twice. <laughs> That's why those walk counts are so high, because the intentional walk. Who got hit by pitches? Gordon, Correa, Juan Jimenez. That's the one where he set the record. So, 12 hits, 8 walks, that's 20. 2 hit batters is 22. An error is 23. So that should be 7 to 8 runs. They got 7. On the other side of things, 7 hits and 5 walks, that's 12 opportunities. An error gives them 13. And I believe they had 2 hit batters as well, right? So that is 15. Should be about 5 runs. They got six, so they outperformed a little bit. Cleveland had three extra base hits in this one, just one for the Twins, which makes it even more surprising that they outperformed. Uh, Gonzalez with the double, Quan with the double, Rosario with his 10th home run of the year. Obviously, Rosario gets one of them. Like, there's no way around it. You have to give credit where it's due. And I know people are going to be like, everything you just said, again, it's just about... He is a solid major league starter. Okay? He's a solid major league starter. I think Rokio is Lindor light. That's that's all it comes down to for me. And, and then the control. That's it. Is Rosario a solid player? Yeah, absolutely. Is he going to be exactly what I said? The 2-2-5 two to two five guy? Yes. Is there value in that? Totally. This game, he was great. He hits one of the three stars. Connor Pilkington is going to get one as well. I mean, come on. One hit for five and two-thirds of an innings? Good on him. And then I kind of debate, but I think at the end of the day I give it to Quan because he reached base four times in this game, had three hits. 
Uh, it just seems to always come back and be in the center of things for this team, consistently getting things done. And, you know, this win helps set this team up. Because Sunday they laid the egg. You know, they, they, you needed that. Because otherwise it's a split with a chance to lose the series on Monday. Instead, no matter what happens on Monday, they win this series. The offense went away. Okay, they had three hits and three walks. Nobody reached, I'm sorry, Straw's the only player who reached base twice. Continues to, you know, tick up a little. Other than that, you go through, I mean, the, the top of the lineup, I mean, Jimenez, leadoff, we haven't seen that all year. Rosario, then Jose, Naylor, Oscar, Palacios. None of them had a hit. You did have two walks in there, but no hits. Uh, or maybe Jimenez, man, Jimenez got hit in the almost every game in this series. So maybe that was the one that set the record. Uh, so then did he actually reach base twice? No, because he didn't walk. He doesn't walk very much to begin with. But Cleveland had seven opportunities. That should be good for about two runs. They even had a double in there. Unfortunately, they didn't get any. On the other seven, I'm sorry, it was actually eight opportunities. That should be good for about two runs. Didn't happen. Eight opportunities is two to three runs. They got zero. The other side, they had ten hits and three walks. That's 13 opportunities. That should be good for three to four. They got three. Stars in this one. Cody Morris. How about him? He has not pitched more than 60 in 60 innings. I keep doing that. 60 pitches all year. He went out and, let's see, had 81. Six innings, six hits, one earned run, one walk, struck out six. He's going to be, I've talked about before, I think he'll be a weapon for the bullpen. Yelan Morgan, another strong outing. Two innings, two hits, one strikeout, 3.6 is the ERA. Starting to rebound. Again, he was, confidence was an issue. He was too lucky in the first half, very unlucky in the second half. He is a solid reliever for this team. Listen, Enya was a fantastic free agent pickup. This was not his game. This was more of a one nothing loss than anything else to me. Like that one, it got away from him in the ninth, whatever. This was a game they could have won. They just they didn't play well. So Morris gets one. Straw is one of your other stars. And then Eli Morgan for going two innings. The two innings is more valuable than, uh, you know, uh, Freeman's one hit or the walks or the hit batter. So Morgan, two innings, allowing two base runners and striking out one. Those are your three stars. And again, don't get tight. It's a 15 is the magic number. Cleveland's got six against Kansas City, three against Texas, and the Twins and the White Sox have to face each other for a bunch. It's an easier schedule coming down the stretch. It's great if they win tomorrow. It's a hard matchup, but you're, you know, Quantrill's been very good. Win or lose, the worst case scenario, I need to see if the White Sox are even playing tomorrow. Uh, but what, it'd be two and a half if they are. If not, it's a three-game lead. And again, Cleveland then, let's say they go and face the White Sox and only win one of those games. Let's just, let's go out and make the bold prediction, say that happens. And no, they do have Monday off. So it would be, if Cleveland loses tomorrow, they have a three-game lead. They lose two out of three to the White Sox. They're up two, but it's really two and a half at that point. Where they get Detroit, where they didn't dominate Detroit this past weekend. And Cleveland, you know, they they have an easier schedule. I'm not going to be like heartbroken if we get to the middle of this week. I mean, I won't be happy, but I'm not going to be destitute. And that's not the word I want. Desolute, maybe. 
uh, to feel like the season is over because they had a bad stretch here. They still win this uh, the series against the White Sox for this year with one win. I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been Lockdown Guardians Podcast. Remember to rate and review, download daily. It helps. Subscribe on YouTube if you can. All the little bits, leaving a review and all that helps so much. And as I end every show, go, go, Guardians, go. And please, I don't hate Ahmed. I don't hate Oscar in a vacuum. I would be okay with both of them as starters for next year. We don't play in a vacuum, which is good because then there'd be no oxygen and everyone would die.